Uh, this morning we have a guest uh, with us, he and his family, and I want him to come. He's going to take a few moments and he's going to share a video with you and then uh, some other thoughts. Uh, one of our missionaries, we took him on several years ago, don't remember quite the year, but I do remember uh, when they were here before. Now uh, their family has grown, all right, and uh, so we're glad to have Brother Jason Rischel and his wife Charity. Thank you so much, Brother Jason. You come. God bless you. God bless you. Well, good morning, church. It is truly a joy and an honor to be here at Calvary again. We do love you all, and we appreciate so much the prayers and your, your prayers and your support for the ministry there in Burkina Faso. Now, don't you understand that as a church, it would be impossible for us as missionaries to be there on the field working. It wasn't for faithful churches like you that believed in what God was doing, that got behind, that prayed for it, and that supported it. And I want to say thank you for all that you've done. Think what Paul says to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter number 4. The church there had been encouraging and supporting Paul in the work he's been doing for the Lord. And Paul says unto them in verse number 16, For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received by Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And when as a church, when you support missions, when you help missionaries do the work on the field, not only is it fruit to your account, but it's a sacrifice well-pleasing and acceptable unto God. And this morning I want to share with you a few testimonies of lives that have been changed because of your faithfulness there in Burkina Faso. Before we show a short video that tells what God's been doing over there. The first testimony I want to share with you is about a young man named Isaac. Isaac came to our church and he had been to some other churches and Isaac had some crazy ideas. And Isaac came to our church and he was terrified of one thing. He was terrified of baptism. Because Isaac had been taught that when you get baptized, that washes away all your sins. But then, if you sin one time after that, you're going to go straight to hell and there's no salvation. So Isaac was scared of baptism. He thought his salvation was based on his good works and what he could do. But Isaac started coming to our church little by little. I began to study the Bible with him, studying 1 Corinthians with him. And Isaac began to realize little by little that salvation wasn't about his righteousness. But it was about what Christ did for him on the cross. Now he wasn't saved by what he could do, he was saved by what Jesus did for him. And I want to show a picture, picture number four if we could. And this here is the day that Isaac got baptized. This would have been in fall of 2020. And can we get picture number four up? No? Okay. If we not, it's not a big deal. But Isaac got baptized and after Isaac got baptized, he began to grow in his faith and he began to work and he began to Start, and start serving there at the church. And pretty soon, so he was there in the first church there in Bobo, and we started working there, and we started a second church there in Bobo, and Isaac went to help me start that church. I said, in fall of 2022, Isaac got baptized, and the exciting thing is that in spring of 2023, Pastor Isaac, the same young man, was baptizing members of his own church. Because that is the power of the gospel. 
How God can not only save a soul, but he can train them and change them and do something great with their lives. I want to share with you some other testimonies. One day we were there and we were putting up a sign on the side of the road. You know, kind of like one of those signs that indicate where the church is. And we were putting up this sign and you got to remember, there in Burkina, we're up by the Sahara Desert. It's pretty hot there. So you know it's probably about 100 degrees. And we're out there in the sun digging holes, putting in signs. So as you can imagine, we were all pretty tired. But after we were finishing up putting up this sign, I kept looking over on the other side of the road and I saw a man over there who owned a little bicycle repair shop. The Holy Spirit was convicted in my heart, and he said, Jason, I want you to go over there, and I want you to give that man the gospel. I said, well, Lord, I'm tired. I want to go home and shower, you know, but I'm like, all right, you know, I'll do it. So I go over there. His name was Jacques or James, and I began to talk to Jacques and gave him the track, gave him a track, gave him the gospel, invited him to church, told him where the church was. Maybe talked with him five, ten minutes max, and we were done. I finally got home, finally got my shower, and forgot all about it. Well, about two weeks later, Jacques and his wife come to church, and they both get saved. They stay faithful. A few weeks later, they bring their teenage son to church. His name is Sylvain. Sylvain comes to church, and Sylvain gets saved. A few months later, having a special youth activity, and Sylvain invites one of his friends named Kevin to come to church with him. And Kevin comes to church and keeps coming back. And a few months later, Kevin gets saved. And today, Kevin's one of the deacons in the first church there in Bobo. But at that time, Kevin was just a high school student. He began to bring some of his friends, and we'll get back to the picture in a minute. He began to bring some of his friends, and one of his friends he invited, his name was Abdul. Abdul was a Muslim young man, and he would not come to Sunday morning service, because that would be a great sin, but he would come to Saturday night youth meetings. But then one Sunday, we were having a special day, and we were having free food. And if there's one thing Abdul likes, it's free food. So Abdul came that Sunday morning. He kept coming every Sunday morning after that, and pretty soon... Abdul gets saved. One day, Abdul came to church, and he was so excited. He said, Pastor, my neighbor came to church with me, and I just think God's going to do special work in his life. His neighbor's name was Drabo Nufu, which Nufu is Arabic for Noah. And Drabo Nufu. And today, Drabo is one of the pastors of the church, one of the churches there in Burkina Faso. Because that is the power of the gospel. But it's not done yet, because Drabo invited one of his friends to come to church, and he came, his name was Etienne, just an electrician, a big old man, but Etienne invited one of his friends to come to church, and his friend's name was Noel. He was a police officer, but he came to church, and he was already saved, but about a year later, God called him to preach, and he left his job and went full-time to the ministry, and he's also a pastor when the church is Amberkina. And all of that fruit, all of those lives, they all weave back to a little five, ten-minute conversation on the side of the road, I didn't, I didn't even really want to have, if I'm honest. But God took that act of obedience, and he did something great with it. And where faith will do small things for God, God is faithful to use that and to do accomplish great things. So this here is a picture I was telling you about. So you see here on the right is, is Isaac in fall of 2022 when he got baptized. And if we did the next picture, and this here is Pastor Isaac baptizing a member in his church in spring of 2023. But I could continue to go on and tell you about stories of people whose lives have been changed. It's because of you and your faithfulness and your support. So thank you so much for what you're doing for the ministry there in Burkina Faso. We're going to show a short video to show you what God has been doing. So thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. 
when God called us in 2019 to move down to Bobo de Alonso, the second largest city in Burkina Faso, there were a lot of uncertainties. We would be the only independent Baptist missionaries in a city of one million people. Islamic terrorism was present throughout Burkina Faso, inflicting fear in the hearts of many. But after spending much time in prayer and seeking godly counsel, we knew that it was what God was leading us to do and that He would go with us. So by faith we made the move, and God has been faithful to work. He has allowed us to see two churches started here in the city of Bobo de Alasa, as well as two other churches in nearby villages. Not only has God given us these wonderful churches, but one by one God has sent amazing men and women to work with us. Drabo and his wife were both born into Muslim families, but God has saved them and completely changed their lives. Pastor Drabo is currently serving at our first church here in Bobo, but has a heart to start a work in the city of Dedugu. Charlo is currently finishing up his studies and preparations in the Bible Institute and is going out every Sunday to preach in his village, where he is praying to one day see a church started. Isaac spent years in other churches, but he never heard a clear presentation of the gospel until God led him to our church. Pastor Isaac and his wife are presently serving with us as leaders of the second church. Noel was working as a police officer when he first began coming to the church. But after about a year at our church, God called him to preach. Pastor Noel left his job to go full-time into training and to serve faithfully alongside us at the first church. Bachiono had served in another church where he was hurt badly, but God led him to our church and we were able to help him find healing and hope in Christ. He and his wife are helping minister at the second church as they make plans to go out and to start a third church here in Bobo. Though we may have started this work in Bobo with God alone, by His grace we now have a team of men and women who have a heart for God and for reaching the lost. As a great missionary of the past once said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And we are so excited about the future of the work here. God has already provided four lands for future churches. We are praying about and making plans to see Christian schools started in Bobo and the other cities. There are villages where the men are preaching that don't have a church yet, and many other villages that are wide open to the gospel. We would like to find a permanent home for our Bible Institute, so we can build dorms and bring people in from our churches and the villages to be trained. We truly want to impact this country and to see Burkina become a launching pad to reach other countries beyond with the gospel. Would you be willing to come alongside us to help reach Burkina and beyond? Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Jason. I thank you for those testimonies. Also, thank you for the uh, the video. And I, I, because I, uh, I could see as as you as well, see that begin to grow and to multiply, and that's what it's all about, you know, trying to get, uh, make sure that uh, people come to know Jesus. Uh, one couple I forgot to mention a moment ago to pray for, that's Brother Raz, Miss Velva, Joe Stevens, they, they need our prayers 
as well today. Uh, and uh, so, uh, again, remember them in prayer. But uh, we, um, we love missions here, amen? And um, it's part of this church's uh, chemical makeup. And we would not be the church that uh, the Lord has made it to be uh, without missions and without the missions program uh, that we have here. And we're grateful to the Lord that uh, He uh, has put that and pressed that upon uh, our hearts and upon you to give and, and all that, that God is doing uh, in and through the missions program of this church. I want you to help me with something, all right? Put that song on there if you would, all right? Help me sing this this morning. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. Hmm. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 49 in your Bibles this morning. Psalm 49. I want to read um, a few of the verses here in this passage of Scripture as we continue to maintain our focus upon missions. Last week we talked about renewing that burden. I think sometimes in the, the scheme, the grand scheme of church work and church life and all that and just life in general, we, we uh, sometimes lose the burden that we have and so we have to refocus. That's why we go through these measures uh, that we do uh, uh, every year to talk about missions and the missions program. Again, I think that the life of a church is because of its missions program. I know of churches, I've seen churches, I've been in churches where they didn't have a vibrant missions program. And you could tell a difference between that one and one that does have a vibrant missions program. I'm sure Brother Jason can tell us, you know, facts and stories about that very same thing. Uh, but this church has been involved in missions ever since its existence. And throughout the years, it has increased. And so sometimes, again, we lose that burden that needs to be renewed. And we, we talked about that last week. I got, you know, missions, when we talk about it, uh, the missions program or plan for any church is only going to increase as we view the souls of mankind, as we see them, as we open our eyes and open our heart to see that that person sitting by the roadside or that, that, that person uh, at, at the restaurant or that person across the street, that is a soul that needs Jesus. Yeah, they they are, may already know Jesus, but how do you know unless you first of all ask them? You know, nothing thrills me more than to talk to someone and ask them of that question. If they, uh, if, if they were to die, do they know that they would go to heaven? Or where would they go if they died? And I've had some to say, oh, I'd go to heaven. And, I, and then my next question is, how do you know that? 
And, and so then they will begin to and proceed to tell me how that they know that, that they have had a, a began a relationship with Jesus. And then I'll say, well, when did that happen? And they tell me when that happened. There's nothing more exciting than that. But then there's nothing more heartbreaking than for someone to say, I don't know. And when they don't know, that's the opportunity that we have to be able to share with them the message of the gospel. I want to read this passage of Scripture this morning, and I hope, my prayer is that, that, that you will be impacted by not only this passage. We're going to go here, we're also going to go to a New Testament passage, and, and they, they kind of parallel each other a little bit. We did this last week, but I want to show you something a little bit different today, because we have to face some reality here. Every person who has ever lived and died has already made a decision for Jesus. They've already made that decision. Now, some of you here today, you may have already made that decision about Jesus Christ. What do you want Him to do in your life? What do you want Him to do for you? But then there may be others you've never, know, you've never known Him. You don't know what it is like to have a relationship with Jesus. You, you don't know what it's like to have your sins forgiven. You don't know what it's like to experience the peace of God in your life. I want to tell you about that today. And I don't want to share those truths with you. I know this for sure that... Satan has a lot of people confused. He's got a lot of people confused in that some think that when you die, you're just annihilated. You just go to, to nothing and you go nowhere. That's not true. That's a lie. And, and then there's a, this other idea is that you will, uh, you know, a person will come back as something else. You know, that, and it's, that's called reincarnation. You know, I, I'm thankful that, that that's not me. And, and all that is dependent on how good you are now as to what life form that you will come back as. And wouldn't it be horrible to live this life like this and then come back as a mosquito? That would be terrible. Yeah. I, I'd want to come back as something a little more bold than that, you know. Which mosquitoes are quite bold, but yet, you know, it's just one little, and you're gone. Uh, but we also know, see, and, and I'm saying, I know we say that in jest, but there are actually people that believe that. You see, that's, that's also a lie. That's a lie from, uh, from satanic proportions, and his influence is very strong in this world today. Whenever we have the truth of God's Word, that, that, that we can know for sure that when we breathe our last breath on this earth, that we have an eternity in heaven with Jesus. We have that promise from His Word. I want, you to, I want you to look with me and read along with me in this passage of Scripture. We're in Psalm chapter 49. We'll begin with verse number 1. Hear this, all you people. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world. Now, who is that? That's you and I, right? If, if we are a people on the earth and we are inhabitant of the world, then that's, that's us. So we need to pay attention to what the psalmist is saying here. Watch what he says. Both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the, the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of the riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. 
Wow. Watch this next verse. Notice the parentheses. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. The inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generation. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their prosperity approve their sayings. And then that final word of verse number 13 is Selah. Pause for just a moment. Think about what was just said. Here's, here's where we're going this morning. Let me, let's have just a word of prayer. Father, bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would take these thoughts today that you put on my heart. May they be helpful. May they impact lives here today. For one reason only, and that's for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for missions and missions program, the missions program of this church. Thank you for one of our missionaries being with us today. And I, I pray, Lord, and I ask that you would speak to every heart. I don't know the condition of hearts here today. Most have made a decision for Jesus, but I would say that there are some who have not. And I pray, Lord, this message will be a help to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While we certainly do need to renew the burden for missions, here's what I want us to look at today, and that is remembering the cost of missions. What is the cost of missions? You, you, can, can you possibly put a price tag on a soul? You know, we may, we may uh, uh, support missionaries with thousands of dollars. And I gave you some numbers last week, and, you know, those numbers are to the glory of the Lord. That, that we praise the Lord that we're able to give 30% of every dollar to missions program at this church. We're, we're praising the Lord that we can raise millions of dollars and help uh, different missionaries across the globe build buildings and get Bibles and, and all of those things. But, you know, all of that being said, we could spend uh, our, all of our combined incomes throughout a lifetime and multiply that times a thousand and it would still not be enough for the value of one soul. The psalmist here is even alluding to that in some way because men oftentimes think of their own wealth or they boast themselves of the multitude of things that they have acquired throughout their entire life and yet when it comes to that point and die, what can you take with you whenever you die? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Bible also shares with us something else. I want you to, uh, you can, we can leave this spot, okay, in, in Psalm. This was kind of my springboard because I wanted you to see something in the Old Testament that, that helps us with something in the New Testament, all right? Uh, so turn with me to Matthew chapter number 16, if you would. Matthew chapter 16, and I want to show you something here in this passage of Scripture uh, that is a familiar passage with us, to us. And I, I want to, uh, it, it has prompted a question that Jesus asked. There's a conversation that's going on between Peter and the Lord. And uh, so look with me, if you would, at verse number 21. Here's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. 
from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. What's happened here prior to this verse is that the Lord has given just given to Peter the keys of the kingdom and that's going to open up the way for the Gentile people to come to a saving knowledge and we know that Peter did that the day of Pentecost and so on. And so the Lord has just, he begins to tell all of his disciples, he said, guys, look, I'm go, i got to go away, and when I go away, I'm going to suffer. I, I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect in three days. And, and the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, those who are the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders, they're the ones that are going to do this to me. And then Peter responds. I want you to see how that that, that Peter responds to this, to what Jesus says in verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now I know last week we talked about Peter and the fact that when he came to Jesus, Andrew was uh, his brother and Brian brought him to Jesus. But, but now we find Peter in a different setting. We talked a little bit about Peter and his life and how that Peter was always kind of boastful or he was outspoken and you know, Peter was that guy who was, he was just that guy, right? And, you know, somebody says something, Peter's got to say something. He has got to be the one to speak up. And, and yet also we kind of give Peter down the road. We give him a rough time for some of the mistakes and things that he made. We give him a rough time because he's sinking in the water, but he's the only one got out of the boat. We, we give Peter a hard time about so many things, but here he begins to rebuke. Not, it's probably not the wisest thing that Peter has ever done. Okay? As we well know, as the scripture tells us, that, you know, he took him, uh, Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. Now, now, why, you know, pray tell me, why would Peter go to Jesus, who is the, the one who gave him his life, and say, I'm going to rebuke you? How, how are you going to rebuke the Lord? I'll rebuke you, Lord, in the name of the Lord. That does not make sense to me. But anyway, that's Peter. He is that, he is that bold. But watch what happens now. Watch what happens. In verse 23, he says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Mark that or remember that last phrase. That Jesus said to him, thou savorest, thou savorest not the things that be of God. In other words, Peter, your mind is not on spiritual things right now. You're not thinking about heavenly things, you're thinking about earthly things. You're thinking about the things going on in this world or perhaps even in your own life. You're not thinking about something. You're not thinking about eternity. Now let's be honest this morning. How many of you get up every single day and you always, don't raise your hand when I ask this question, always think about eternity. You always think about heaven. Now I know some folk who are closer to eternity probably would think about it. But most of the young people, you're thinking about what you're getting ready to do that day. You're thinking about your schoolwork. You're thinking about, I don't need to miss the bus. You're thinking about... What are we going to have for lunch? Amen. All right. And, and as soon as you're eating lunch, you think, what am I going to have for supper? Right? Am I right? All right. I, I know there's some older folk that do that as well. Anyway, 
So we're, we're thinking about it. But not everybody 100% of the time always thinks on heavenly things. Am I correct? You know, I have to be honest with you. I don't always get up in the morning. I don't always think about something heavenly when I get up in the morning, the very first thing. I'm thinking about, oh, here we go. It's another day. Oh, I need to brush my teeth, you know. I need to comb both my hairs, you know. I need to do, you know, you know make sure they get in place. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Bless our heart and our head. So, so, so we're thinking about those things. But the, the Lord is telling. The Lord responds to Peter by actually rebuking him. said, Peter, your mind's not on the right thing. You're, you're savoring, and the, the idea of savoring there is he, he's holding into his thought processes. He is only being mindful of something that is on earth. You're, he's only being mindful of what Jesus said was going to happen to him about his suffering, about him dying, about him being resurrected, about him going away. That's the only thing Peter's got his mind on. He's not thinking about eternity. Listen, listen to me this morning. You and I had better get a fresh vision and remembering the cost of missions because souls are at stake and when I say that I mean for eternity I'm not talking about next week when or next year when there's a new election I'm not talking about uh, in, in five years and so on. I'm talking about today because you know you never know what will happen this week because you may not be here next week this may be your last sermon I've preached many a last sermons for people who were in church one week and not in church the next because they've gone off into eternity. What I'm saying is that we need to remember the cost of what missions is all about. So, so what happens next is that it prompts one of the greatest questions that Jesus ever asked. Let me look at, let's look at the question here. Uh, skip down, if you would, with me. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 24, verse 24, 25, and 26. The Bible says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Here's the question. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? i to be honest, I think this is the greatest question that Jesus ever asked. And I'm going to ask you today, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What if you were to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What profit is there? Might I also ask it this way, what shall it profit that person... I'm going to use Brother Jason as an illustration. What would it profit if Brother Jason had left and gone on home and taken a shower and not walked across the street to talk to that one man? Did y'all see the multiplication of how many people? Did you hear the multiplication of how many people had come to know the Lord because he remembered the cost of one soul? Missions being what it is about the souls of mankind, sometimes we do lose our focus. Sometimes we do lose our, 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 our thinking about uh, what missions is all about. We lose the, uh, uh, sometimes the opportunity. We, we don't take the opportunity. 
While Jesus had so many things going on in his life and ministry on the earth, and he did a wonderful, masterful piece of work in, in all of his ministry, he had one focal point in mind, and that was to save those who were lost. That was his reasoning for coming, is it not? That was the only reason that, that he came. I want, I'm going to give you three thoughts real fast, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it quits for today. Number one, there's the worth that is incredible. By the question that Jesus asked here of, of Peter, he said this in verse number 26, what is a man profited? What, what about profit? It is virtually impossible to put a price on a soul. We cannot ever do that. Too many, if not most, uh, there, are, there are other things that are greater value or so. And, and that's obvious today because, you know, a few weeks ago, there were, uh, there were fewer empty seats in the church house a few weeks ago. Now, I realize some are sick, I get it, and all of that, but let's be honest, there are some who have more value and have put more value on some other things rather than their own soul. How do we, how do we increase that? Or how does that value increase? Or how do we know the value of anything? One, by its creation. Uh, you know, a famous painter can take a canvas, a, a guy like, you know, Vincent Van Gogh or Picasso. I'll never have understood any of that. This is what I'm told. They can take a canvas and throw, throw some paint on it. It'd be worth millions. Millions. I can take a canvas and throw some paint on it and somebody wants to burn it. But it, it all depends on the creator and the creation of that, that particular thing. You know, think of, how, think of how precious a soul is. Because of its creation, who its creator is. God is the creator of your soul. And he said in Psalm 49 that it is the redemption of a soul is precious. He also said in Psalm 119 that the precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God values the soul of every individual as precious indeed. And I think because God does, you and I need to do the same thing. We need to remember the cost of missions, the cost of a soul, the value of a heart, the value of a life. What about its possibilities? Each person here today can make a difference in, in your own life. But what about making a difference in another person's life through your own influence? Because every person must make a decision about Jesus. It, it, it may be uh, up to you for some person, someone to come to know Jesus. It may be you and only you. You may be the only person they will ever talk to about their soul. You may be it. What about it? What about its endurance? How long will it last also determines the value of something, the worth of something. Sometimes some antiques are worth uh, a lot of money, I'm told. And, and all of that depends on the, uh, uh, the, the age, the quality, the condition of those particular things. But think about the soul. In fact, that somewhere in eternity is a soul that has died thousands of years ago. They're still in, they're still in eternity. Think about, think about this, think about its uniqueness. Is there, if there was only one of them, if it was just rare, what one item rare, whether it was a, 
a jewel of some sort or some other uh, uh, fabrication that someone has put together and there's only one of them. It makes it rare in, in its form and rare in its creation and rare in, in, in every possible way. Uh, that value increases for that particular thing. You know, thank the Lord that, you know, there's only one me. Y'all get that sometime. Maybe I should say it this way. Maybe, you know, thank the Lord there's only one you. You know why? Because we only have one life, right? We only have one life. That makes it, that makes it unique. But then, then there's the demand of it. Right? And this is, I'm talking about the worth that is incredible because of the, 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 the demand for it. The worth of something also depends on how much someone's willing to pay for it. How many get calls all the time? Are you willing to sell your house? Y'all get those calls? One time I told a guy, sure, I'll sell it. And he said, really, how much? I gave him some enormous number. It was just like crazy off the wall. Well, the house is not worth that much. I said, well, that's what I'm willing to sell it for. Huh? It's more valuable to me than it is to them, apparently. He's not willing to pay the price. I said, all right, leave me alone. I, in other words, I don't want to sell it. If he comes next week with a check, I'll be moving. I'll need some help. (laughs) Uh, What we're talking about is remembering the cost. Remembering the cost of missions of soul. Number one, the worth. It's incredible. Number two, notice this, the work that is irresponsible. What do you mean irresponsible? Watch what Jesus says here. What? Is man profited if he shall gain the whole world? Now we all know and understand it's impossible for us to gain the whole world. Is that right? Many have tried and they've died trying. Many want to gain popularity in the process of gaining popularity. They died in that process. Or many have tried gaining the wealth, that all the wealth that they could. Or, or maybe they want control. But if a person were to gain the whole world, you know what? They wouldn't be able to hold on to it or keep it. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about for just a moment everything that you have right now in your possession that you would call or you could call yours. Think about everything you have. Car, house, your belongings inside, those antiques that are precious to you, the heirlooms that have been given to you. Think about all of that. All right? Then Now I want you to think about over the next five to ten years everything that you will gain within that period of time. All right? You know, I might accumulate another, what, 25%, 10% more on top of what I already have? Maybe 5% with the economy. Ding. All right, now, when you die, how much of that are you going to take with you? So let me ask you something. What does that matter? You know what you can take with you? A soul, a soul, a soul, a soul, a soul, a soul. Sure. A soul, a village, a missionary who's made an impact in a little country called Burkina Faso. Yeah. 
now I remember the cost. Now I understand the cost. He's been on the field. He's taken his family to the field. He's got four children. Now, when he first came here, they had one, two, two when they first came. Now they got four. He's raising a family in Africa. Why? Because he remembers the cost of missions. And I get it. The Lord may not call you to go to that place. He gets that. He understands that. But God has called him and God is using him to go. But the least that we could do is to remember the cost and remember the souls that he's impacting there to be a help to him and his family. So if we gain the all, what, what, what would you do with all that stuff if you were to accumulate it? If you were to gain the whole world, you wouldn't be satisfied either. Because satisfaction, you know what it comes through? Satisfaction comes through knowing Jesus. Satisfaction doesn't come through a larger bank account. I do believe that some are confused about eternity because their mind is not on heavenly things. Just like Peter in the passage. Peter was ready to draw a sword and rebuke everybody else. Ah, stay away from Jesus! He's my leader. I'm going to follow him. And yet, Jesus said, I've got to do this. Because Jesus remembered his purpose and going, his focus was to seek and save that which was lost. So we have the work that's incredible, the work that's irresponsible. You can't gain the whole world. We all know that. And there's one last thing I want to give you. And that is the woe that's intense. The woe that's intense, what is that? Lose his own soul. What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or the last question of the verse, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Either one of those will work. But that woe that Jesus gives to Peter and the disciples, everybody else is standing around, and to us today, is a very intense woe. If you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what is it profiting? Who has it helped? How has it impacted? It, it, look, I know that it is your own life. And some will say, well, it's my life. I can make my decision. Yes, you, you are correct in that. But please, can I implore every person here today, and I don't know, again, I don't know your heart, I don't know uh, the condition of your, your soul, I don't know if you've made a decision to follow Jesus or not, but I implore you, today would be a phenomenal day to do that. Simply because, stop trying to, to, to mind earthly things and stop trying to gain those things of the world because those things are unprofitable. They will not benefit. They will not help. It's only for a very short period of time. But what matters is eternity. Amen. And giving your life to Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And eternity. I remember this from years and years ago. I was I had my life, I thought, was kind of in place, in the right direction. And I was studying to be an electrical engineer. I was working for a company called Carolina Time. And I was traveling all over North and South Carolina and parts of Virginia. I had a company truck, all that stuff. I mean, it's like 
man, that's pretty good, preacher, had it, had it going on. I, I, I thought so. I thought things were, things were in pretty good shape. I went to visit, a, a, I had a job to do down in Greenville, South Carolina. Had a buddy of mine that was in college there at Tabernacle Baptist College. His name was Bill Manus. He was actually the next door neighbor of my wife when she was growing up. And Bill Manus, uh, maybe you've heard me tell the story before, but Bill Manus, when he was younger, in his younger days, he was part of a motorcycle gang. And, uh, and God saved him and called him to preach. And during that time when God called him to preach, he went to Tabernacle, went to school, and I was there. I didn't have nothing. I'd finished my work, and, and I was like, I called him up, said, hey, you want to get dinner? He said, well, I got to go to school. You can come to school with me. And, you know, school was kind of like the last thing on my list to do that evening. But he said, oh, come on, and, you know, and go visit with me. We'll, we'll go there for a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll hang out and, and all that. I said, okay, sure. So I went. My dad's a pastor, and so we'd had many men, many missionaries throughout the entire his, his ministry come in, and, and he said, hey, I've got, I got one more class. It's a missions class, and uh, Dr. Dan Truax is the, is the teacher of the class. Well, I knew Dr. Dan Truax. He, he grew up on, in China as a missionary's kid, and he was always accused of carrying applications for the mission field in his pocket. That is true. Uh, but he was, he was very, very uh, um, diplomatic about it. You know, if, if, if God wanted you uh, to go to the mission field, then, then I, I, he was just the, the, the liaison to help there. That's Brother Truax. He, he grew up in China as a missionary kid, but he went to Africa, of all places, to be a missionary in Africa. He would play a, a, a little a goat-bellied guitar that they made over there in Africa. And he would come in the chapel sometimes and he would sing. And, you know, the tribal people there had a song called My Elephant. And he would sing that and it was hilarious. Brother Truax is about half as big as this pulpit here. Just a great guy. His eyes were failing him and later on in his life. And, and I saw his notebook on that night and the letters. I mean, every sentence he'd have to turn a page because his, his eyes were failing him and he couldn't see very well. But I went up to him after class and I said, hey, Dr. Truax. I said, Ray Haskett. That's Ray Haskett. He said, oh, Brother Ray, how are you? How's your dad and all that stuff? And then he asked me this question. Say, what are you doing with your life? And I was excited to tell him, you know, hey, I'm, I'm studying to be an electrical engineer. I'm going to this college and, and I'm working for this company and I'm, I'm putting in these parking gates, you know, parking lots. They have those arms that go up and down. I used to install those, by the way. If it didn't work, it's not my fault. I used to install those things and, 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 and all over, everywhere. I did a, a huge jobs in, in many, many different places and, and all that. And I told him about all that. And he's sitting there and listening very intently. And, and I finished and he says, that's good, Brother Ray. He says, but what if one day you stand before the Lord? And instead of saying, Lord... I put in so many hundreds or so many thousands of these parking meters that you were able to say, I led so many people 
to Jesus Christ. That's all it took. A few months later, I told my boss I was quitting. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to Bible college. He said, you doing what? I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to be a, I don't know what I'm going to be. I'm going to Bible college. What are you doing for a job? I said, I don't know. Called a fellow named Bud Blankenship. My friend Bill Manus, he, he's still pastoring today, by the way, down in Commerce, Georgia. And uh, I called him up. I said, I need a job. He said, call Bud. Call Bud Blankenship. I called Bud, and I told Bud what was going on. He said, you know what? I don't know what I have. He said, but you, he said what are you planning on moving? I said, well, I'm planning on moving July 4th weekend. That's a great way to celebrate the 4th move. But he said... Uh, he said, you go ahead and move, and then you call me when you get down here, and I'll see what I might be able to do. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, that's really not a guarantee. I've been married two years. I have a wife. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a job. Career path is changing completely and drastically. But I remember these words from the psalmist. He said this, Even there shall my hand lead thee. And now here we are. Remembering the cost of missions. I wonder if somebody were to ask you, what are you doing with your life? Hey, you know what? I'm going to ask you that right now. What are you doing with your life? What is it profit if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Remembering the cost of missions. Father, we love you so very, very much. We're grateful for the blessings you've given to us and thank you for your word and that helps, encourages, and strengthens. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look into your word and learn these things from Jesus and the life of Peter. I do pray today that you would take these thoughts, please use them. May they make an impact upon hearts and lives today that we would remember the cost of missions, remember the cost of a soul. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you've given to each one of us to share the truth of your word and share the truth of the gospel and to know that Jesus can give us eternal life. I pray, Lord, that hearts will be touched and lives changed today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's keep our heads bowed for just a moment. Hands bowed. Miss Leanne is going to play this morning, and as she does when she's ready, the Lord's touched your heart this morning in some somehow, some way. If He has done that, if He's done that, if the Lord's spoken to you in somehow, some way, would you raise a hand? 
Yes, preacher, the Lord spoke to my heart. Remembering the cost of missions. All right, so I'm going to ask you to do something right now. If you raise your hand and you're sincere, honest, as God spoke to your heart, I want you to come. The altar's here. You're welcome to use it. I want, you're invited to come. You don't have to, but I, I'm just inviting you to come. And use this time. Use this time right now as God's spoken to your heart. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God about remembering the cost of missions. Remembering the value of a soul. Remember what, what it profits if a man would gain the whole world and lose his own soul. While these are praying, there's an opportunity, an opportunity right now for you. I don't, I don't know your heart. I don't know what God may be doing in you or right now. Won't you listen to me though for just a second? I do have a couple of questions I want to ask. How many here today would be able to confidently raise a hand saying, Pastor, if something happened to me, something happened to me and I were to die, I know without any doubt in my heart, I know that I go to heaven. Can you raise a hand? I know that, Pastor. Thank you so much. You may, you may put your hands down. Thank you. Is there anybody here today that would be honest with me and say, Pastor, if something happened to me and I were to die, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell, but I'm just not sure about heaven. I need you to pray for me. Anyone at all, just the hand right straight up, right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about heaven, but I, I know I don't want to go to hell. Anybody, anybody else, would you raise that hand? Right straight up, right back down. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you. I sincerely want to pray for you today. Anyone else? <coughs> for those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in. It's our goal to be a help and encouragement to you. If we can be a help to you, please reach out to us. There's some information on your screen that would uh, you can and we'll get back to you promptly. Thank you so very, very much for, for watching today. God bless you.